Luke chapter number 5. There's something mighty sweet about the Lord. There's something mighty sweet about the Lord. It really doesn't matter what the people say. There's something mighty sweet. There is something mighty sweet about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if, you're, if you're here tonight and you're, you're wondering, I would hope there's nobody like this, but if you're sitting in this and you're wondering, surely the world has something better to offer. I promise you that's the devil lying to you. Because the Lord and just serving Him and just living the Christian life, it really is the best life. And uh, we, we have our bumps in the road just like anybody else. But I tell you what, we got a Savior. We've got a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. And He is faithful. And I tell you what, when we go through the storms of life, when we go through the valleys, I'm glad He's there. And he, He's there with us and He comforts us and helps us. And I appreciate Him tonight. And I was thinking while the choir was singing earlier God has stood the test of time. Boy, ain't that the truth? I remember I was probably 24 years old. I was preaching for Brother Willard Thomas one Sunday there in Gainesville, Georgia, and his choir was singing that, and he just he was sitting there by me on the front row, and he just patted me on the leg. He said, Brother Daniel, Brother Daniel, listen to me. Listen to this old preacher. He said, I'm an old man now. He said, I'm going to tell you that song's the truth. He said, he's a faithful God. He said, he'd been faithful to me, and he'll be faithful to you, boy. He's been faithful. He's been so faithful, and I'm thankful for that tonight. And it's been good to be in church with you today already and enjoyed good fellowship and a good meal over at the Gravely's house. Miss Noel, she's a good cook, and y'all ought to go over there after church. That's good food. And, uh, <laughs> we had a good time. Brother Gravely told me about 2 o'clock. He said, well, I'm going to let y'all go get some rest. About 10 after 4, we were still at the house, and... Uh, but we enjoyed the good fellowship. I don't get to see Brother Gravely very often. I, I'm usually preaching revival meetings. I do a few camp meetings and jubilees like y'all have in the spring, but I don't do a whole lot, so I don't get to cross paths with a lot of preachers. Uh, so it's good just to get to sit in fellowship with him and his family today. We enjoyed that and uh, just enjoyed hearing him preach this morning. And uh, I want to give you something tonight. I won't be long, but Luke chapter number 5. That's where I believe the Lord would have us this evening. Very familiar portion of scripture to most of us. But Luke chapter 5 and verse number 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have told all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. They beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which had been taken. And so was also James and John the sons of Zebedee which were partners with Simon. 
And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. We'll leave off reading right there this evening, but what a miracle we just read about. What a miracle that God could take a servant who was weak in his faith, weak in his body, he had a broken net and some sinking ships, and he still got a multitude of fish onto the shore. See, that's our God. That's our God tonight that has stood the test of time. When everything else is going wrong and even we get it all wrong, I'm glad God can show up on the scene and do something supernatural. And when he does, no man can take glory for that. No man can take credit. All we can do is step back and say, that's our great big God. That's our faithful God. That's the God that created this world. That's the God that saved our soul. That's the God that one day very soon is coming back to take us home with it. Hey, only God can do something like what we just read about. But I want you to look back at verse number 6. Or, yeah, verse number 6 there. It said when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. Watch this. And their net break. I want to preach tonight on a broken net. A broken net. You know the world we live in thinks very little of broken things. We live in a throwaway society. Something breaks, you run down to Walmart and you get something new. Now some of you, you're old enough to remember when replacing something, that was the last option. Now I know even with inflation and gas prices like they've been, we've still got it good in America. I mean, we've got it really good. We're spoiled. Some of y'all remember when times weren't so good. And if something broke, you were going to try to do everything you could to fix it before you decide I'm going to throw it away and replace it. Uh, I, I know uh, a year or two ago we came home from a trip and our washing machine was leaking water. You know what I did? I did what most Americans do. I got my phone out and I'm Googling how much it's going to cost for me to replace that washer. You know what my wife did? She got on Google and figured out what was wrong with the washer. She took it apart, found the part that was wrong with it, ordered a new part, put it back together. That thing's been working fine ever since. And thank God for a resourceful wife. Amen. I, I mean, she saved me a lot of money. Hallelujah. You can learn anything on YouTube anymore. You ain't got to go to school or nothing. Just pull it up on YouTube. And I, I'm glad tonight as I study the Word of God, I found out that He delights in broken things and, and broken people. As a matter of fact, He can't even really use you until He breaks you real good. But after he's broken you and after he's poured in that salve and he's helped you and healed you, that's when he'll get the most use out of our lives. I'm glad God doesn't just throw things away like we do. I'm glad he doesn't give up so quick like we have a tendency to do. But I'm glad he's the great restorer. He's the great mender. Some of you here tonight, your testimonies of the fact that your life was broken and in pieces. But aren't you glad God didn't throw you away? Aren't you glad he didn't give up on you. Aren't you glad he said hey I can do something with that man. I can do something with that woman. Hallelujah. 
I want you to notice several things by way of introduction in verse number 1 of chapter 5. I see the people here in this story. It said, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, there is a crowd of people here that are pressing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what that tells me? Even in today's world and in today's church, if you'll just make much of Jesus, you'll have the right crowd. You'll have a crowd of people. You may not have the biggest crowd in town, but you'll have the right crowd. You'll have a crowd that they'll stay around if you just make much of Jesus. Amen. I mean, you preach Jesus, it'll get the job done. And I know there's a crowd that says just preach Jesus and what they mean by that is, you know, lower your standards, don't preach doctrine, don't, don't preach the King James Bible, bring in the rock music and all that. And I know that crowd exists, but I tell you what, if you preach Jesus, you're going to preach against sin. If you're preaching Jesus, you're going to talk about hell every now and then. But if you'll make much of Jesus, you'll have the right crowd. Amen. Now, if you're singing, if you're singing is all about you and how good you are, you might impress folks for a day or two or a service or two, but after a while, they're going to get tired of that. Amen. But if you make it about Him, they'll get a blessing. He'll be blessed. If your preaching is all about you, preacher, people will get tired of that real quick. Amen. I'm leery of preachers who are the heroes of all their illustrations. You ever heard any of them preachers? Every story they tell, they come out on top. Most of my illustrations are about how I got it wrong and God was merciful. Amen. But I tell you what, if your preaching is about Jesus, I think you'll have the right crowd. I see their purpose for gathering here in verse number 1. It said the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. Here you have the word preaching the word. And I mean honestly, who more qualified to preach the word than the word himself? They didn't come together. I mentioned it in Sunday school. They didn't come together for the gospel singing. They didn't come for the fellowship and the dinner on the ground. Nothing wrong with those things. But they came to hear the preaching of the Word of God. And I ain't got time to labor right here, but so many of our churches, so many ministries today have gotten away from the preaching of the Word of God. They've put all the emphasis on other things. But I'm going to tell you, when all the other things have failed, when all the trendy churches have tried, all the different stuff, you you just stick with the book and you'll have the right crowd. They came for preaching. You know what I've learned in 21 years of ministry, going to churches all across America? Musicians and singers come and go. But that book remains. Thank God for musicians and singers. But that book is what will get the job done every time. The place they're gathered in verse number 1. The Bible says he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee and the Sea of Tiberias. But I really want you to notice the provision for our Lord in verse number 2. And saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Do you realize the Lord had a need right here? He's trying to preach to these people. And, and in my mind, I could see it as Brother Sam, they've probably got him backed right up to the water, wanting to hear what the Lord has to say. Now let me say this, that body of water, that wasn't no problem for Jesus. He could have made it go away. He could have parted it. He could have walked on it. That water wasn't a problem, but he's not doing miracles right now. He's trying to preach the word to him. And when he had a need, his heavenly Father provided him with what he needed. And I'm glad tonight in 2022 the same Heavenly Father can meet my needs and He can meet your needs. He's faithful to provide for His children. We've heard testimonies throughout the day and this evening about how God is faithful to provide for His children. I'm glad He is. 
I'm so glad he's able. Notice his pulpit in verse number 3. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. You say, where's the pulpit in there? He taught the people out of the ship. You know what, the Lord, he didn't need a fancy pulpit like this. Nothing wrong with a nice pulpit, but he didn't need that. He didn't need a big tabernacle. He just needed some place where he could communicate to the people the word of God. He made a pulpit out of whatever would work. There's a lot of preachers today, they want a pulpit. God's called me to preach and I need a pulpit. Amen. I tell you what, if you've got a desire to preach, if God's called you to preach, you'll find a place to preach. A lot of guys will say, nobody's calling me. Nobody will let me preach. Nobody will let me come fill their pulpit. And I've been called to preach and I want to preach. If you you really got a desire to preach, amen, you'll find a street corner somewhere in Chattanooga or you'll find a nursing home or you'll find a prison. You'll find somewhere to preach. What a lot of guys want is attention. And fame, amen, I, I want attention. I want to make a name for myself. You, you just preach, amen, wherever God will open a door, amen, and he'll take care of the rest, amen. But in verse number 4, the Lord turns his attention from the multitude and he's going to focus on these few disciples and teach them a lesson in what he can do with broken things. I want you to notice number 1 tonight, the Savior's command. Verse number 4, it said, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. Now I would say about the Savior's command tonight, it was progressive. Verse number 3, he said, Thrust out a little from the land. Verse number 4, he said, Launch out into the deep. Verse number 4, he said, Let down your nets. There's a progression to that. And by the way, that's the way the Lord works in all of our lives. Amen. He gives us time to grow little by little after we get saved. He gives us time to grow. And I'm glad he's patient with us. I believe this. I believe that verse 3 where it said thrust out a little from the land. I believe that could speak of salvation. You know if you're ever going to get in this thing the first step is just step out into the water. You remember that old song the cathedrals used to sing step into the water. That's the first step right there is just that step of salvation. You say, why would you preach on something so simple, Brother Daniel? Because there's people sitting in our Bible-believing Baptist churches. They know their doctrine. They know they got the right version of the Bible. They know all these different things. Some of them even have standards and convictions. And yet, you've never taken that first step of salvation. You're trying to reform your life. You're trying to turn over a new leaf. You're trying to do all these things, but you've never thrust out a little from the land and it'd be a good night to get in. I mean get saved, get born again, washed in the blood. It's a whole lot easier to live the Christian life after you get saved. I believe in verse 4 when he says launch out into the deep I believe that could speak of sanctification. After you've been born again there comes a time when the Lord says hey won't you come out here into the deep water. You've been hanging out in the shallow end long enough. You've had your little rubber ducky floaties on long enough. Won't you come on out here into the deep water and get to know me a little better? Do you know in a lot of fundamentalist churches that thing of sanctification is something that is being overlooked? A lot of times it's get, get them saved and put them straight to work. 
and you never teach them about the Word of God, you never teach them about the Holy Ghost and the Spirit-filled life, and we got a lot of people, amen, they're missing this thing of sanctification. You need to get to know the Lord. But I'm going to tell you where you're going to get to know Him at. It's out there in the deep end, out there in the deep water. And then he says there in verse number 4, let down your nets for a draft. That speaks of service. And there does come a time in the life of a believer where the Lord says, now I want you to work for me. I want you to labor for me. I want you to do something in service for me. And I'm going to tell you, brother and sister, there's nothing more rewarding than just serving the Lord, giving your life to Him. It was a progressive command, but could I say it was a peculiar command. See, most fish are caught at night and they've just finished up that. And the Lord says here in the daytime, let's go out into the deep water. You say, why would the Lord do that? These are professional fishermen. I mean, these are men that they've been doing this most of their lives. They know what they're doing. You know why the Lord's doing this? He's trying to get them to quit thinking in the realm of the natural and the normal. He wants to show them something supernatural. You know what a lot of our Bible colleges have done? And thank God for Bible college. I went to one. I'm not against them. But a lot of them, there's a danger in this. They've taught everybody how to do it. They've given us a lot of know-how. They've given us a lot of instruction. But a lot of times they don't emphasize the fact that we need the power of God. We need to see something supernatural. We've seen much of what man can do. We've seen a lot what can be done in the normal and in the natural. But i tell you what's going to bring revival to our homes and and our churches and our nation, amen. It's not something natural that man can do, but it's going to take the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost of God. And I'm glad to tell you, he still has all power, and he still can do great and mighty things, and he can still bring homes and marriages back together. He can still bring the prodigals back from the far country, and he can still send revival in a wicked day in our land, amen. If we'll look to him and trust him, too often we're, we're operating in the flesh and in the know-how But we don't see much from it A lot of times he'll put us into situations Where all we can do is quit looking at our degrees And our books and our education And say, Lord God, I need you We've got to have you God will sometimes ask things of us That make absolutely no sense Brother and sister, he'll ask you to do things that just you, you scratch your head and say, Lord, really? Yeah, because he's wanting to show you his power. It was peculiar, but it was possible. There's no reason for anybody to fret in this situation because the reality is Jesus created the water their own. Jesus created those fish. Jesus created Peter. Jesus created the ships and the net that was going to break. Amen. Jesus made it all so it was possible. God will sometimes put us in some peculiar situations. But no matter what he asks of us, it is possible. Amen. If we'll look to him. There's the Savior's command. But secondly tonight, I want you to see Simon Peter's complaint. In verse number 5, he voices his objection. The Bible said, And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have told all the night and have taken nothing. He objects based on his fatigue. He said, we've told all the night. We've been out here all evening. We're tired. Matter of fact, the Bible said that they were washing their nets. They were finished. They were ready to head to the house and be done. And the Lord says, let's go back out. 
You know, sometimes God will ask things of us when we least feel like it. Anybody that's ever served in any kind of a ministry, you know what it is to be completely wore out in your body. And yet, there's still a job that needs to be done. And you're thinking, can I really do it? I'm telling you, if you'll look to God and trust the power of the Holy Ghost, He'll enable you to do what needs to be done in His service. Amen. Say, I'm tired, I'm wore out. Yeah, but you're here. That's a good start. Amen. And then he objects on the grounds of failure. He said, we've told all the night and have taken nothing. He said, we've been out here all night, we're tired, and we ain't even got anything to show for it. I'm not really into fishing, but any of you guys that are into fishing, you know what a disappointment it is to go out fishing and come back with nothing. Especially when you walk in the house and your wife says, did you catch anything? No. (laughs) Sometimes you won't get the results that you want. Sometimes you'll go out and you'll knock on some doors. And you might not get the results that you want to see. You go believing, you go trusting, and you still, still you don't see any results from it right away. But you know what you do? You go back out again. Sometimes as preachers, we, we get in the pulpit and we preach and, and we feel like the message doesn't go any further than the end of the pulpit. It just feels like it drops right off the edge. And you think, man, I failed tonight. You say, what do you do? You go out again. No doubt Peter's thinking about this time. Why should I try again? I already tried and I failed. Yeah, but here's the thing, Peter. Now Jesus is in the boat and he makes all the difference. You know, it makes a big difference when Jesus gets in the boat with you. Amen. Maybe you got up and sang a song and you felt like it flopped and, and was just bad and off key. You know, say, what do you do? Go back, practice it a little more, get some Jesus on that thing and get up and sing it again for the glory of God. Maybe you preached a message and felt like you laid an egg. You say, what do you do? And get in the book, study some more, pray, get some God on it, get some Jesus in it and get up and preach it again. Amen. But don't quit. Don't quit. His objection, but then I see... His obedience in verse number 5. He said at the end of the verse, Nevertheless at thy word, I will let down the net. I see his respect for the Lord right there. In those words, he said, Nevertheless at thy word. And they already said, Lord, I ain't got much faith. Lord, I'm wore out and I don't feel like it. Nevertheless at thy word. Even in his weakness, He still had enough respect for the Lord. He said, I'll do something. Let me ask you something tonight, brother and sister. Maybe your faith has grown a little bit weak. Maybe you're here tonight, but you're just tired and wore out in your body and your mind. Do you at least have enough respect for him that if he says to do something, you'll say, I'll do something. Because I do love you. I see his respect for the Lord, but I also see that You can't overlook this now. His obedience was partial. Notice he said, nevertheless, we're in verse 5, nevertheless at thy word, I will let down the net. Now the Lord's command in verse number 4 was let down your nets. He said, I will let down the net. You know, it's good to pay attention to the details when the Lord tells you to do something. Details make a big difference. Now normally as preachers we would take a verse like that and we would preach on this, you know, partial obedience is disobedience. And if you preach that, I'll amen you. Amen. But tonight, I just want to be a little bit gracious with somebody. 
And I want to say this evening that partial obedience is better than no obedience. It's not the best, but God still did something with it. God still took the net that he threw out there, and even when it broke, God still did something great with it. I would say tonight that one net is better than no nets at all. Now, I know normally the preachers, we come in here and we're preaching, surrender all to Jesus, give it all, sell out, lock, stock, and barrel, and that's a good message. I believe that's the best message because that's where you get the greatest blessings. But I just want to have a little grace with somebody tonight that you're sitting there thinking, I don't feel like I can throw a bunch of nets out there. Well, can you give him one and see what he might do with it? Here's my last point tonight. The successful catch. Look at verse number 6. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. Now notice the slew of fish they caught right there. The Bible didn't say they caught one fish or two fish. No, the Bible says they caught a great multitude of fishes. But then we also see the stress on the net here in verse number 6. It said in their net break. Probably about that time Peter was wishing he would have thrown all them nets out there. <laughs> like, oh man. <laughs> the, the stress on the net, the Bible says their net break. Brother Gravely, I had all my commentaries laid out while I was studying this message and almost every one of the commentators said something like this. Now we know the net didn't actually break because if it had broke, they wouldn't have been able to get the fish into the ship and onto the shore. So it just means it began to break. Well, I have a problem with that. I just believe the Bible. Amen. Amen. And if the Bible says it break, it break. I mean, I don't care if it's shredded into a million pieces. That's no problem for our big God that has stood the test of time. I get so tired of some of these commentators that they're so they're so they're trying so hard to show how smart and intellectual they are that they try to destroy the miracles of our Lord. I wonder sometimes: Have you ever really read your Bible? Have you ever read, really read about your God and what He can do and His power? This broken net was no big deal to to our God, Amen. And your broken net tonight, it's. Not not a big deal for him. He can take it and mend it and still do a miracle with it. Amen. Don't let these scholarly types, amen, mess up the miracles that our Lord did. Amen. Just believe the book. Their net break. But then there's another miracle in this story. Look at verse number 7. In verse number 7, the Bible says, And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. Here's the miracle. And they came. <laughs> they, they got support from others. They, they sought help from others and they joined in. They said, Hey boys, we got so many fish over here. The nets broke. We need some help. And they actually came and helped. They could not have been independent, fundamental, premillennial, temperamental, judgmental Baptists. Because if they had been, it would have been something like this. Hey, we need help. Well, what crowd do you run with? How, how, well, hold on a second. Before we come over there and help you, now we need to know some important things. I mean, how do you all feel about Christmas and Christmas trees? Now, hold on, now, hold on, now, now, hold on. Before we come help you with them fish, I mean, who do you all think the sons of God were in Genesis chapter number 6? You know, I mean, very important things here we got to discuss before we can agree to help you. <laughs> I got a great illustration just from this morning's message. Brother Gravely preached against Halloween. I say amen. 
That's a controversial thing anymore amongst Baptists. You preach that and you don't know if people are going to run you off or amen you anymore. I say amen. He went even further than that said, I'm against trunk or treat. I say amen. I don't want anything to do with that thing. Now with that said, stay with me here. I'd say probably 50% or more of the churches I preach at, come October, they're going to have a trunk or treat. And I don't like it. Now I'm still going to go there and try to minister to them. I'm still going to try to have fellowship. I'm not writing a brother off if they do that. I'm, I'm with your pastor on that. But I'm not, I'm not going to break fellowship with that guy. I mean, if that's the worst thing I can find about him, we're, we're probably doing okay. I don't like it. If I pastored, I would not have one. I, I'm, I'm in his corner on that. I still try to get along, try to be a blessing, and try to help another brother. Amen. I'm, ba- I, y'all, I'm not going again. I'm backing him up. But he's backing me up with what I'm saying too. Y'all getting that? We're on the same page here. I'm with him. I think they're silly. But I'm not going to break fellowship with a guy. I go to church. I go to some church. Y'all ain't going to believe this. Y'all, y'all think I'm lying. I go to some churches. They clap when I get done singing. I don't like, I personally, I don't like that. I like amen and glory to God. Amen. That's what I like. But I'm not going to stop going to those churches. And I'm not even going to get up in the pulpit and blast them out because they did that. They sought support from others, and they came. Now look, there has, there has to be some lines drawn in the sand when it comes to fellowship. I understand that. But, but it, it's not over Christmas trees and, 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 and uh, the sons of God and those kind of things. It, it's not those. You say, well, what do you believe about those things? See, right now some of y'all are sitting there thinking, well, what do you believe about those things? <laughs> I'm an evangelist, man. I believe what you believe. <laughs> I said that up in New York a couple weeks ago, and some lady, she makes stickers and stuff for products. She brought me a whole thing of stickers of Evangelist Daniel Waters. I believe what you believe, so I guess that's become, I'm just kidding. I think you ought to know what you believe about some things. Amen, and stand with your conviction. But there's some things we ain't got to break fellowship with everybody over. Amen. I'm not getting much feedback on that, but anyway, it's true. They sought some help and they came over. You know what a lot of times we do? We see God blessing another work, another church, another brother, and they're like, we need some help in this thing. God's doing so much. And we're sitting there looking at it with, I mean, scrutinizing everything about it, trying to figure out why we shouldn't go get involved in it. Amen. I tell you what, if God's blessing it and God's doing something great, I want to get in on it. I want to get behind it. I want to fan the flames of revival. Amen. You say, well, it ain't at my house and it ain't at my church. Well, hey, just be glad that at least the Lord's in the neighborhood doing something. If he's in the neighborhood, it might not be long till he's at your house. It might not be long till he's at your church. But get in and help the other brother until it comes to your place. Amen. What a miracle. They sought for help and they came and they got involved. Then notice the sinking ships in verse 7. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Am I preaching to any fishermen tonight that you've ever caught so many fish that your boat started to sink? Probably not. You've got multiple ships. And by the way, the Bible doesn't call them boats. It's ships. We're talking about some very large vessels. And they've got so many fish in the ships that the ships are beginning to sink. And by the way, did I mention they got a broken net? 
Notice Peter's statement in verse number 8. When Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You know what that is? That is the response of a man that has seen God come through in his brokenness, even in his partial obedience. But he saw God do a great miracle and all he could do is step back and say, God, I'm not worthy. God, I'm not even worthy to be in your presence. Now you take somebody that's never been through a tragedy, they've never had a heartache, they've never had any kind of brokenness in their life. If something good happens in their service, you know what they have a tendency to do? Man, I did good today. I should probably post this on Twitter and Instagram, let everybody know what I accomplished. Yeah, that's the heart of somebody that's never been broken. Because if you ever get really broken and you see God show up and do something powerful, all you can do is step back and say, all glory be to God. It's not me, it's not my skills, it's not my talent, it's not my ability. No, that was just, that's just God being God. Then notice their submission. Look down at verse 11. When they had brought their ships to land, watch this, they forsook all and followed him. Now, now these boys are singing, I surrender all, I surrender all. But back in verse number 5, Peter was singing, I surrender one, I surrender one. But I tell you what, when they, show, when they saw God show up and do what he did, that great miracle, they said, whew, I'm going to follow him. I mean, I'm going to surrender all and I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to give him my whole heart. And maybe you're here tonight and you're not in verse 11. Maybe you're back up there in verse number 5. And you're tired and you're weak and your faith has grown weak. You feel tired in your body and you're just wore out. Let me ask you something. Can you give him one net? Just one. And see what he might do with it. He'll take it. He'll take that one net. And even if it's broken, he'll show you what he can do. And when you see that, that'll give you the strength to say, yeah, I want to surrender all. Hey, I, I'm trying to just be gracious with somebody here tonight. Again, I know as evangelists, a lot of times we come in and we are really preaching. You need to give it all. And that is the best thing you can do. And that's the most blessed life. But tonight, I'm trying to help somebody. You're on the verge of just throwing in the towel and calling it quits altogether. I'm just saying, before you decide to quit altogether, will you at least throw one net out there and see what he'll do with it? I promise you, your pastor would rather you give the one than quit altogether. God do something great with it. Just one. Maybe, maybe you've backed up on your Bible reading and you haven't been reading it every day like you should. Let me ask you something. Do you think you could go home tonight or in the morning when you get up before you get your day rolling? You think you could read one verse? Well, preacher, that ain't much. It's better than nothing. Can you give him one? Maybe you don't have a prayer life like you used to. Maybe you've allowed all the other things of life to distract you and you don't, you're just not praying like you once did. Let me, could you give him one minute? Amen. Preacher, that's not much. I know, but I'm just saying it's better than nothing. God will take it. And he'll do something and by the time he's done, done with it, you'll be like Peter saying, I'm going to follow him fully. I'm going to give it all to him. But maybe you just need to start with one tonight. Yes, sir. And 
and see what He might do. He is the great restorer. It don't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter what a mess you've made of things. I'm glad to tell you He's good at restoring. But you've got to give Him something. And if you'll just give Him one, He may take that thing and do something incredible with, just like He did right here. And other people will be blessed by the miracle they saw because you just threw one out there. So tonight, it's a simple message. You've been broken and you feel like God can't use you anymore and you just feel like you're washed up and you might as well quit. You feel like you came to church tonight but you wasn't even sure if you'd get anything out of it. You just give Him one. And even if it breaks, He can do something incredible. Because that broken net, it's not a problem for Him. Let's stand tonight. Lord, I pray that you take this message and I pray you just encourage somebody that came in here tonight weak and discouraged and downhearted. Lord, just give them the strength to at least throw one more net out there before they just call it quits. And I pray that if they do, you'll do something miraculous with it. I'm sure thankful that failure is not final with you. I'm glad you can take our brokenness and you can do something great with it. There's one here tonight that's lost. I pray they'd get saved before it's too late. Bless and help and encourage folks here tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Some have come already tonight. How about you? They're playing. They're going to sing. If you need to come tonight, talk to the Lord. You say, I'm afraid if I come, somebody will think I'm backslidden or I've gotten out of the way. I wouldn't worry about that. I'd worry about coming down and just getting something fixed up with God and seeing what He might do. Won't you come tonight as they sing?